Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for who you are, Lord, for your love, Lord, for your grace, Lord, for your forgiveness, Father. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ on our behalf, Lord. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for your love, Lord, that I pray, Lord, that the words I say will be for you and be alone and through the word, through the truth of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 6, verse 26. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26, and the title of this message is called Talk Faith to Me. Uh, faith is really important. Uh, faith is the most important subject that a person can study in the Bible. If you talk in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says that without faith it's impossible to please God. For those who come to him must believe that he is, and that he is a reward of those who seek him. So we know that we are made in the image and the likeness of God, and God is a faith God. So faith, again, is the most important topic that a person can learn because it teaches you how to receive from God. See, a lot of people will say that faith moves God, but that's not the case. Like, faith doesn't move God because God is not stuck. Faith moves you into the position to receive from Him what He has already provided through the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So again, faith puts you in position to receive from God what He has already provided because if you read in uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says that, Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, past tense, with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Jesus Christ. So, past tense. He has already blessed us, but He is waiting on us to get in the position which comes by faith to receive what He has already provided for us. And that's finances, that is health, that is peace, that is joy. Whatever you need from God is already there, but faith takes it from the heavenly realm and puts it into the realm of the natural. And so, so many believers are bound in our walk. You know, so many believers are experiencing unanswered prayers. I think that unanswered prayers is, is the top thing in the body of Christ. Unanswered prayers. Because truth be told, we go through seasons of unanswered prayers and sometimes we can be frustrated. And so I think unanswered prayers is really plaguing the body of Christ is because most people don't know how to operate in faith for real. We think that we can just say a prayer, throw it up, and God's supposed to answer it. Boom. No, it doesn't work like that because God is a faith God. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. So, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26. It says, and that they may come to their senses and recover themselves out of, out of the snare of the devil. What? What did I say right there? It says, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. So many Christians are like, God, get the devil off my back. The devil this and the devil that. The devil's attacking me, Lord. Lord, do something about it. And it says right here that you can recover yourself out of the snare of the devil. Ain't that, ain't that interesting right there? Because so many Christians are begging, oh, God, please make the devil stop. Oh, God, please let the devil stop. Lord, I can't take it no more. But he says right there that you can recover yourself out of the snare of the devil who is taken captive by him at his will. Which tells me that Jesus has given you and I authority 
of the devil. But we don't walk in it like we should. Remember in the Old Testament when God was talking to Moses and he told Moses, Moses, I've made you a God to Pharaoh. So God told Moses, Moses, I've made you a God to Pharaoh. Meaning I've given you authority over Pharaoh. And I can prove it to you too. Remember when they were fleeing Moses and the children of Israel and they got at the edge of the Red Sea? And what did Moses say? He says, stand still. You know, the Lord's going to fight for you. And the Lord had to rebuke Moses from saying that. God turned to Moses said, Moses, you're the one with the stick, so why are you talking to me about this? All you got to do is lift your rod and the Red Sea will part. So if Moses did not lift his rod or his staff and the Red Sea wouldn't have parted. See, God said, Moses, why are you crying out to me for? I've given you the authority. I've given you this staff. And when you read in Exodus, I think it's three or four, like Moses has this encounter with God. And so Moses is chilling on the backside of the desert. And he's chilling and he's relaxing and he's beside this burning bush. And all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord appears to Moses out of the burning bush. And they begin to have a conversation and God began to tell Moses, Moses, I'm going to cause you to do this. I'm going to cause you to do that. And then Moses began to give God all of these excuses. How many of us have given God excuses to why we can't do what he's calling us to do. We are always giving God an excuse. Lord, I can't do this. Lord, you know my past. Lord, my finances. Lord, my boo thing. Lord, my wife, my cat, my dog. Lord, I can't do this and I can't do that. And don't you know in an encounter that Moses had with God that God got rid of all of his excuses? It says, Moses, what's it that, what, what is that Moses was like, it's a, it's a staff, it's a rod. And so God was like, Moses, take the rod and put it inside of your bosom. So Moses took his hand, put it in his bosom, and he pulled it out. And the Bible says that it was like that of a leopard. So God was like, Moses, take your hand, you put it back in your bosom, and you pull it back out. And Moses, he pulled his hand back out, and the Bible says that it was regular. Then God was like, Moses, then you got a staff? Yeah, I got a staff. He says, I want you to take your staff and throw it on the ground. So Moses, he took the staff, he threw it on the ground, and it became a snake. And he fled from it. Right? That's what we do, right? We run from the things that God has placed in our hands. We run from our gifts, from our talents, my assignments because we're afraid. So the Bible says that Moses fled from the snake. And God was like, Moses, I want you to catch it by the tail and pick it back up. And Moses, he reached down and he grabbed it by the tail and it became a staff again. So God was setting Moses up for what was to come. Because remember when Moses and Aaron, they went to the court of Pharaoh and, and Pharaoh, he brought out his people, his sorcerers and his magicians, and the rod of 
other staff of the other magicians. So, so when he says that Moses, I've made you a god to Pharaoh, he proved it to him at the burning bush. So let me ask you a question. How many times does God have to prove himself to you before you believe him? Why is it that we believe the bare word of men but don't believe the bare word of God? Like real talk. You know, we see on the news, gas prices is going up. Everybody's on Facebook complaining about the bare of the gas prices. <laughs> right? So we believe the bare word of men, but when it comes to the truth of the word of God, we have a hard time believing God. Yes, sir. should have like a faith diary, right? Which is all the things that God has done for us. So therefore, when we face an impossible situation, we can go back. Because in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, it says they overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved their, and they loved not their life unto the death. So by the word of their testimony, meaning God, do it again. God, I remember when I was dead broke and you made a way for me. God, I remember when I was sick in my body, Lord, but you healed my body. See, sometimes when we face situations, we forget about those past things. Like we, we have a hard time remembering the goodness of God when we are faced with an impossible situation. But the truth of the matter is, uh, so let's go back to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26. said, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26, that they may come, um, my bad, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. So if there's any area in your life to where you've been bound up by the enemy, Paul is saying right here that you can recover yourself. How? Well, I'm glad you asked. So how can you recover yourself? Let's read your words. Philemon chapter 1, verse 6 is probably my favorite verse in the entire Bible. I can live off of that scripture for the rest of my life. Philemon chapter 1, verse 6. It says that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you that is in Christ. Hold up, wait a minute, let me put some truth in it. He said that the communication of your faith, so let's break this down real quick. That the communication of your faith, because your faith is a communicator between heaven and earth. Faith is the bridge.
way to get your blessings from heaven to earth. So your faith is a communicator between you and God. Uh, come on now. He said, let the communication of your faith be what? Be effectual. Because a lot of people's faith has become shipwrecked. And once your faith has become shipwrecked, it's hard to receive from God what he has already provided. So he said, so let, your, he said, so let the communication of your faith become effectual. Meaning your faith must always be working. Your faith switch should always be on. We should never take a break from walking by faith. Because the enemy doesn't take breaks. Demons don't take breaks. So why, so why should we take a break with our faith? So our faith switch should always be on. And the way that I keep my faith switch on is by what he says in the Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. He says, let the communication of your faith become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you that is in Jesus Christ. So the reason why he wants you to constantly acknowledge every good thing which is in you that is in Jesus Christ, because when you begin to live a life like that, you take away complaining. He said, let the communication of your faith, of your faith, you know what I'm saying? Not the faith of your pastor. Not the faith of the deacon in the back with cigarette in his mouth. He said that the communication of your faith, meaning you must make it personal. Let the communication of your faith become effectual. How? By the acknowledging, not acknowledge, acknowledging, meaning it has to be a continuum. Let the communication of your faith become effectual by the acknowledging of what? Of some good things? Nope, he didn't say that. Every good thing which is in you, hold up, wait a minute, that is in you. Because in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, it says that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. And the only way that I can walk at that reality is by me acknowledging from my own mouth. So I have to constantly acknowledge my identity in Christ in order for my faith to become effectual. Meaning, I got to talk faith when I don't feel like talking it. I got to talk faith when my bank account is, is running a little bit empty. I got to talk faith when that sickness is plaguing my body. Because guess what the sickness is doing? The sickness is communicating to your body. It's communicating to your immune system, to your blood cells. So if that sickness is communicating to your body, guess what faith can do? Faith can stop that communication of the sickness. Because faith is a communicator. You got to talk to it. You got to talk to it. Again, we read in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26, that you may recover yourself. And you do this by your words because in Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, he says, my people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. Hold up. God said, my people, you know, he didn't say the devil's people. Come on now. He says, my people are what? Are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. 
And then he says in Philemon chapter 1, verse 6, that the communication of your faith may become effectual. How? By the what? By the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you that is in Jesus Christ. That's why he says that all the promises are yes and amen in Christ. So that's why I don't get it when somebody tells me, well, I asked God for this and he told me no. No, he says that if he asks for anything according to his will that he hears you, and since, he, and since you know that he hears you, then you have the petition of the desire that you have asked of him. He says if you ask, if you ask for anything according to my will that he, that he, that he what? He hears. So when a person tells me, well, I ask God for this and he tells me no, sure about that? When you ask, did you ask in faith? Was it was it his will? Like real talk. Because when you read in the Gospels, like, I've never saw God tell Jesus no. Except for that one time when he was like, Lord, let this bitter cup pass from me. Then he says, nevertheless, not my will, but let yours be done. So in the Gospels, when somebody came to Jesus for healing, never told them no. When a, when, a, when a person came to Jesus for healing in the, in the Gospels, I never heard him say, I can't heal you right now because my father is using this disease to teach you something. He never said that. Huh? Right. So like in John, so in, so in Matthew chapter 15, right, verse he's talking about is around verse 27 or 28 in Matthew chapter 15. So like this woman, she came to Jesus and she was like, you know, my daughter got this demon. Will you, will you heal my daughter? He told her no. Then she went to the disciples and they told her no. Then she came back to Jesus and he says, is it fair that I take the children's bread and give it to the dogs? So Jesus referred to healing as the children's bread, right? So it's your responsibility to receive healing because it's part of your inheritance. It's your bread. You don't got to beg God for bread. So I don't have any kids, but I got a five-year-old niece. When she comes over to my house, she ain't got to beg me for food. She goes in my refrigerator and gets whatever she wants. Like, this is my uncle's house. Shoot. Man, like the other day, man, she came over my house, and I was upstairs on my computer. And so she was downstairs, and she was, you know, she was real quiet. So, you know, she left. So, you know, she left. And the next day, I go in my refrigerator and, you know, to get my stuff in my smoothie. So I got out, you know, my bananas, my blueberries, my kale, my spinach, and I pulled out my strawberries. And I noticed that all the strawberries were half eaten. <laughs> I'm gonna get this little girl. So she didn't have to beg me for strawberries. Because she knows that this is my uncle's house and whatever I want, I can get. And that's how the, and that's how it is with healing. Healing is the children's bread. You don't have to beg God for anything. So she said, the Lord. Even the dogs eat from the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And 
Jesus was like, whoa, man. I've never seen such great faith. So guess what? Her daughter was healed that very hour. So this woman was outside of the covenant. So since we are within the covenant, then why is it so hard for us to get healed? Why is it so hard for us to believe for a breakthrough? Why is it that we believe that we got to suffer 10 years with this infirmity? No, it doesn't have to be like that. See, Jesus told the woman with the issue of blood, according to your faith, it will be done to you. So it's according to your faith that God has already provided. Let me prove it to you by Scripture. Can I prove it to you by Scripture? Let's go to Genesis chapter 11. And this is what God told me one day. He was like, Dwayne, if you can get one prayer answered, you can get them all answered. I was like, whoa. Genesis chapter 11. And this is, this is Old Testament too, y'all. So if this worked in the Old Testament, then how much more should it work in the New Testament, right? Genesis chapter 11, this is talking about the Tower of Babel. So I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I do encourage you to go and read it. So, Let's start at verse 1. And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go and let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slam they had for mortar. And they said, Go and let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. Let us make a name that will be scattered upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men had built. And the Lord said, Behold, the people are one. They, have, they all have one language, and this they begin to do. And now nothing shall be restrained from do. I mean, my bad. Now nothing shall be restrained from them to which they have imagined to do. And these weren't even the children of God. It said, Now nothing shall be restrained from them from which they have imagined to do. See, God has given you an imagination to work his power. If you can't imagine it, then he can't do it for you. You catch that? God has given you an imagination to work his power. Do you know how great God is? Think about it for a moment. He created the universe. And in the universe... There's over billions of billions of galaxies. And in every galaxy, there's over billions of billions of stars. And God came by your, and God came to heal your body. He can't pay your light bill. <laughs> he can't give you like a new house or a new car. And so he is that big. Don't you know that the heart, I mean that the earth cannot contain all the blessings of heaven? Because earth is his footstool. But yet we doubt. Oh, he won't do it for me. It's a trick of the enemy. Nothing shall be restrained from you from what you imagine to do. And what happens, oh, this is about to get, oh, I don't have enough time for this. For 10 minutes. Huh? Four minutes. <laughs> let's, let's rock it out in four minutes, right? So people suffer two ways, right? They suffer one in their memory, and they suffer number two in their imaginations. So what do I mean, I mean by that? Because your mind.
memory, and your memory has a record of everything that happened to you in the past. So sometimes you can't go forward in life because you're too stuck on the memories of the past. I tried it last time, it didn't work. And so now you are talking yourself out of the blessings of God. And then number two, people suffer in their imaginations because they had a rough past, they had a few faith failures, now they can't even imagine themselves getting better. They can't imagine themselves with a healed body, with financial breakthrough, with a new job or peace or joy or whatever, because they're too focused on the memories of the past. See, Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, he says to cast down imaginations and every half thing that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Then when your obedience is fulfilled, right? So he says that it is up to you, it's your responsibility for you to cast down these imaginations. The imaginations of, I'm not good enough. God doesn't love me. I can't be healed. I can't get this and I can't get that. So when you take it back to Philemon chapter 1, verse 6, he says, so that the communication of your faith become effectual. So what you got to do, you have to go in the word of God and confess the Bible verses that deals with the part of your life that you are struggling with. And you confess those scriptures until it takes root in your heart. And once it takes root in your heart, then you have faith to receive. But it doesn't happen overnight. This is not a one-trick pony. Because consistency is where the power is. So one day you can't say, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. By the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. And then the next day, the day after that, oh, man, my body is always sick. See, you're going back and forth in your confession. And he, and he says that if you are wavering, you are like the man, you know, uh, you are like the wave of the sea. And Pastor, he talked about that last week. That man should not think he should receive anything from God. See, see, you have to become like Abraham, fully persuaded. So having he become fully persuaded by giving glory to God, it says that he stumbled not at the promises of God through unbelief, but he was strong in faith, how? Giving glory to God. Because unbelief will cause you to stumble. But when you give glory to God, it puts roots in you to receive from God what he has for you. So again, faith doesn't move God because he's not stuck. Faith moves you into position to receive from him. Amen? So we will continue this conversation the next time I teach Sunday school, which is a month from now. All right? So let us pray real quick.